Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're talking about exploring the wonder of God. And most of the messages that we've talked about uh, during this series have been very much that. Been talking about God's wonder. Last week we talked about God's glory, the beauty of Jesus, the beauty of God. Because here at Overflow, one of our values is the presence of Jesus. We, we value that. And when we say the presence of Jesus, we don't mean like a scripture that says, Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. We love that, and that's our core. But we, we actually value the tangibility of that verse, that that verse is alive, that it's real, that it's not just black words or red words on a white page, right? We wanted something that's tangible in our life. And so we value that. We value the presence of Jesus, the manifestation of his presence every time we gather and everywhere we go. And we believe that when Jesus comes and reveals himself, reveals that he's really there. How many know he's always there, but sometimes he's there? Right. And so uh, we have those moments. And so we believe that every time he does, when he shows up, if you will, um, again, we know he's always there. But whenever he reveals a little bit more of his glory, we believe that transformation happens. We believe that people get healed. We believe that that uh, people receive life. We believe that people get heart healing and physical healing and financial healing. And all these things start happening because Jesus is just that powerful. And we, the, the text for our series is Mark nine fifteen. It says, as soon as the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, right? And, uh, we've talked a lot about that on that, on this series, just being overwhelmed by the beauty of Jesus, just it taking over us. It's an overwhelming, how many of y'all ever get overwhelmed with negativity or overwhelmed with your job or with your pressure or parenting or whatever it is and you feel overwhelmed? But this says that they were overwhelmed in a totally different way. They were overwhelmed with awe and wonder. They saw this man and they're like, whoa, I can't believe how amazing he is. And it says that they ran out to greet him. One of my favorite passages we're going to look at this morning, uh, Psalm chapter 24. We did a series on Psalm 23 earlier this year called The Good Shepherd, which was, uh, for me, was, a, was an incredible journey. But one of my, probably my favorite psalm is Psalm 24, and I'm going to share from that uh, this morning. And it says this, Psalm 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it up upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord. Why does he receive blessing? Because he ascended. And vindication from God our Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Selah, which is like jam. After the verse 2, right? Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory. Now, we talked about the glory last week, and he's saying this. Lift up your heads, O you gates, that that king, the king that maintains that glory that we talked about last week, that tangibility, that power, that weight, that he may come in. And he says this, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, the king of glory? 
You know, when, when Jesus reveals himself, we don't go, oh, that's who you are. When Jesus reveals himself, we go, who are you? And then he shows us, and then we're like, who are you? What is it that's hunger saying? I know you at this level, but I want to know you at the next. We talked about that last week when Moses went into the tent. It says that he talked to God like a man talks to his friend. And then he was like, Lord, show me your glory. I want to know who you are. I know who you are. I want to know who you are. And this is what he says. Who is this king of glory? The Lord says, who is he? Again, who is he? Who is he? Who is he? Who is this king of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the king of glory. Who is the king of glory? He's the king of glory. He's the king that carries on. And we talked about this last week, the weight, the tangibility, the heaviness. That word is kabod in, 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 the, uh, in the Hebrew language. And that word means, actually means the weight, right? Like what you're right now on that chair that you're sitting on, you're putting your glory on it, right? Hopefully it's not a stinky glory, right? You're putting some glory on that chair, right? Oh, I'm sorry. So this, this, this psalm, I love the, beauty, the beautiful tone that is here. And the first thing that we see is, is, is David, the psalmist, starts talking about the wonder of God. He starts talking about how God created the heavens, the, the, the nature of God, the strength of God, the awe of God. He's talking about all these things. Who may ascend? Who can? He is so powerful. He's so amazing. He's so glorious. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can go there? Who can even go there? Oh, I know who, Right? And he says this, that we have, you know, and we, we spent a lot of time on the series talking about that. Man, God is so marvelous. He's so, he, which, he, which means he's full of marvel that when we look at him, we're just like, whoa, I can't believe there's so much. You know, when, when you think that you've got God figured out, you just, you just hit a dead end in your life, right? Well, that's not God, and this isn't God, and you make these absolute statements all the time. Now, there are things sometimes we know for sure that are God and are not God, but sometimes we want to kind of box God in and say, well, I'm limiting God to my experience. I'm limiting God to my revelation. What I want to do is open up that box. Come on, are you with me? Because he is full of wonder. He's not, he is mysterious. Again, he's not unsearchable, but he is mysterious. He, he goes on and on and on, right? I'm still learning things about Leslie after we've been married for 11 years, 11 and a half years. Well, I'm still learning things about her. That's how we will be with Jesus after a million years. We will still be learning things about him. His wonder goes on and on and on and on. So he talks about this, and then he's like, he is so fascinating. Who, who can know him? Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can, who can stand in his presence? Oh, I know. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. The righteous. See, the righteous can approach him. God has provided a way through Jesus that you can go to him that you can discover him, that you can experience him. Jesus provided that way, the righteous. How many know that you, how many of y'all have tried to be righteous on your own? Most of us, right? I've tried to be righteous. How many of y'all failed to be righteous? But can I tell you that Jesus came not to enhance your righteousness, but to give you his. You don't get, you're, you're not righteous. You have his righteousness. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? You do. You can. Why? Because you have clean hands. Oh, I don't have clean hands. You do. You have the righteousness of Jesus by faith. By placing your faith in Jesus, you become like him in righteousness. So the righteous can approach him. It's interesting. He talks about Jacob here. And, uh, you know, we don't see this terminology, the generation of Jacob. 
Now, we know the children of Israel, if you know Bible history at all, you know that the children of Israel are actually the children of Jacob, that Jacob was the man who God changed his name to Israel, right? And Jacob has all these experiences, and I'm going to mention them a little bit today. And he has this experience where he, where the Lord shows up in the middle of the night in the form of a man. Some people say it was an angel. Most theologians believe that Jesus showed up and encounters Jacob in the middle of the night in Genesis 32. And what happens is he starts wrestling with the Lord. Now, it's funny because Jacob's just like you and I. We want to fight for something we already have. Why was Jesus showing up there? Was he showing up to not bless him? I mean, obviously he had a reason, right? So Jacob's here wrestling with someone who came to bless him, and he's wrestling for the blessing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you coming to me inviting you over for dinner. You come to my house to prepare food, and you start preparing another meal. I'm like, no, 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 the meal's here. No, 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 we, we, I'm over for dinner. And that's exactly what happened with Jacob. He was fighting for something he already had all night long. And he's like, he starts wrestling with the angel, right? Or Jesus. And he's wrestling, the representative of heaven. Come on, wrestling all night. And he says, hey, it's about to be daytime. I need to go. I don't want other people to see me. What's going to happen? And he said, well, I'll let you go. Now, this is crazy that Jacob was, I mean, that's like some tenacity, Right? To hold on to God like that. And he's holding on and he says, what's it going to take for you to let me go? He said, well, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And he said, all right. So it says that he actually hit the hip of Jacob. For the rest of Jacob's life, he, because he encountered Jesus, he walked differently. Right? His life was totally changed. But he didn't just change his walk. He actually changed his identity. He said, okay, I'll bless you. Bam! Fought over, right, that fast. Could have been that way the whole night, but he just wanted to see how much Jacob had in him. How much do you want it, Jacob? Let's see. You really want the blessing? Let's see how much you want it, right? The difference is, is we fight from a place of victory and of approval, not for it. The problem with Jacob is he is fighting for it. He is fighting for righteousness, not from righteousness. Come on. So he wrestles the Lord all night, and... He walks differently, and God changes his name. So when he references here in the psalm, the generation of Jacob, he is referencing the righteous. He is referencing the chosen ones. And he says this in in Genesis 32, 30. It says, Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. Now the idea here. The reason why he says that is because the idea was that people believed that if you saw God face to face, you would die. That's just what they thought. Right? We talked about that a little bit with Moses. Moses talked to God face to face, and then God was like, if you see more of me, it's going to kill you. Right? And so with Jacob, he saw God, and he says his life was spared. Now, can I tell you today that his life wasn't just spared, but he actually lived at a level that he never had before. He was able to walk in an identity that he didn't have. God changed everything. Can I tell you today that when you encountered Jesus, not only did you survive, but your identity has changed. Your walk has changed. Your reality is different. You are now righteous. And because you are now righteous, you may Approach him, O generation of Jacob, those who have seen the Lord and lived. 
those who have seen the Lord and have been changed, this is the generation that will seek God's face, the generation of Jacob. So we can approach him. So we know this God is beautiful. He's powerful. We've hollered that a lot. The righteous can approach him. And we're kind of breaking this down. Number three is the righteous open gates. Now, he does this Selah moment, right? The, the interlude, the jam session. And then right after that, he says this. He says, lift up your heads, O you gates. Now, Jacob had saw gates, right? Do you guys remember the gate that Jacob saw in Bethel? So Jacob's having a dream one night, and he sees a ladder or a staircase. He sees this portal open from heaven, and it comes on the earth, and he sees angels going up and down it. You guys remember that? What did he see? He, he said, surely this is the gate of heaven. This is Bethel. This is the place where God comes and goes. This is the gate. It's interesting how Jacob is weaved into this story, into this psalm. Can I tell you today that when he says this, gates, he says, oh, you gates. He doesn't say lift up the gates. No, he says lift up your heads, oh, you gates. Who is he talking to? He is talking to the chosen. He's talking to the righteous. Because you can ascend the hill of the Lord, now you are a gatekeeper. You are actually, and not just a gatekeeper, you are actually a gate. Now, Jesus is the gate, but as we put our gaze on him, when we set our focus on him, as we lift up our heads, The king of glory comes. That's why whenever we worship, Jesus comes in the room in a greater level than he was before, for lack of better terms. Some of y'all want to be, oh, he was already. No, no, no. You know. You know it's different. That's why Jesus said, I'm with you always, and then said, whenever two of you get together, there I am. We're like, well, I thought you said even if we weren't there. No, they, yeah, I did say that. What do you mean, Lord? He means there's increase. There's increase. There's levels of of his glory. There just is. Right? So, and then Jesus says this to us. He says, I give you the keys of the kingdom. What do keys do? Keys unlock things. Keys open things. Listen, as a believer in Jesus, you are a gate. Right? Because you are righteous. Because he has made you righteous, now you are a gate. So whenever you lift up your head, the king of glory walks in. And he brings the weight with him. He brings the glory with him. So he says this. Who is this king of glory? Lift up your heads. Oh, you get. Who is he? Whoa. That's who he is. Who is he? Oh, that's who he is. The king of glory. You know, when you think about Matthew 16, 19, where, where Jesus says this, he, he talks, he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom, whatever you unlock, whatever you lock will be locked, right? Whatever you bind will be bound, whatever you loose will be loosed. And I think we've, we've taken that language to mean something and we've gotten real super spiritual with it, but Jesus is being real practical. He's like, you got keys. What do you do with keys? You lock and unlock, right? You don't really think of using keys to tie things or loose things, but the language here got kind of crazy. And so if you can think of that for just a moment, that with keys, you lock and unlock. It seems like, for me, most believers are concerned about what they can lock. <clears throat> well, we need to stop doing that. We stop doing this. We need to petition that. We need to protest this. But what are we actually doing? And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's not a place for those things, because there absolutely is. He gave you the keys to lock and unlock, by the way. But can I tell you today that heaven wants to invade the earth? 
And so what, we, what we've got to do is we've got to realize that if heaven is going to invade the earth, then it is up to the gates to be opened up. So we can sit around and we can have prayer meetings, but heaven needs you on the earth. Heaven needs a representative. Gates, when you think about gates, in those times, especially gates, that's the only way you could get in a city. The only way you could get into a city was through the gate. And it was a big deal. They had gatekeepers. No, oh, let's go. I want to get into the city. Well, what, what are you doing here? Uh, just want to, like, visit my cousin. You got paperwork on that? Uh, no. Sorry, pal. No getting in. <clears throat> right? Well, we got paperwork. Listen, nothing comes in or out of your life unless you let it. You ancient doors, nothing comes in to your life unless you allow it. Frustration, tension, slander. We allow those things in our life. No, 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 it just happened. No, no, no. You allow it. You have the keys. You shut the gate, you open the gate. Man, I get I, I spend a lot of my life frustrated. I ain't gonna lie. Come on, just like you. Right? I open that gate though. Right? When frustration comes in, it's up to me. I get to decide. Why? Because I'm a gatekeeper. I got the keys. It used to not be that way, but now I have authority. What authority am I exercising? Am I exercising the authority of Josh Brown that says I have a right to be frustrated? Or am I or am I representing the authority of the kingdom that says I have peace to bring to this situation. See, God's got you at your job. God's got you in your home for a reason. To not just be a a locker up, but an unlocker. What are you unlocking? What are you releasing? What's coming out of you? Come on. I, I would also say what's going into you. Oh, what are you allowing into your life? Because your heart is a city. Can you hear me? I said, your heart is a city, and you've got a gate of that heart. You've got your ear gate. You've got your eye gate. Come on. You've got your emotion gate. What are you letting into your city? You better be careful. Come on. Because you get something in that city that don't belong there, they can cause ruckus in your heart. Well, anyway, that's a whole other message that I'm getting on today. Maybe we'll do a whole series on gates next year. We'll see. But listen, can you hear me? That the church is the gate for the kingdom, the king of glory on the earth. The kingdom of God, that when we talk about the church, we're not talking about overflow church. Overflow church is a lower C, then there's a capital C. There's the big church, which we're all part of, that you're the church, I'm the church. The, if you say the church has a problem, then you're included in that if you're a believer in Jesus. So we own those issues. So we are the gateway for Jesus, for the king to come in. Listen, we want God to intervene, and he wants us to. In fact, he won't, listen, 99% of the time, God won't intervene until a believer does. We want God to show up. Well, you've got to show up in order for that to happen. Because his portal on the earth, his gate on the earth is his people. Jacob saw it. Jesus revealed it and then gave the church the keys. Oh, lift up your heads. All you gates that the king of glory may come in. The Lord's strong and mighty. Come on. Number four is a result. So we see the nature of God. The righteous can approach him. The righteous open gates. The righteous are gates. 
And then there's a result that happens. What happens? The king of glory shows up. The Lord strong and mighty. And so when Jesus shows up, what does he do? He reveals a couple of things. First of all, he, he, he reveals his identity. He says, this is who I am, right? That's why when we worship, we're like, whoa, I never thought of God like that before. What is he doing? He's revealing things about himself. But with every revelation that you get, you also carry an authority upon that revelation. So when Jesus shows up, he reveals his identity, and his identity carries his authority. This is who he is. So when you have a situation arise in your life, and you choose not to complain, and you choose to just glorify the Lord, like we were talking about this morning, when you're singing, when you say, God, you're good. I thank you, Lord. I know it's tough, but Lord, I thank you. What happens is you're allowing the principle of peace to invade the kingdom. Right? Or you can speak on your behalf, which usually isn't a very good behalf. But what we want is we want the authority of Jesus to take dominion in, this, in, the, in the situation. Again, the king of glory, he's the king of that tangible heavyweight of God. We talk about the glory, right? Some people call it the Shekinah, which actually isn't a, you know, a, it's not in Scripture, but it's what teachers have come up with to describe the heavyweight of God. I, li- I like it that way better, the weight, because that's, that's what I want to experience, Right? All right, we talked about the scripture last week. Again, I, I know I'm piggybacking off that, but that's why it's called a series. Second Corinthians chapter 2, and we who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory. Just hold with me. We are being transformed into his likeness. What is the likeness? The likeness of the glory. So it's not about your identity anymore. It's about his. Because when the king of glory comes in, who reveals his identity with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Listen, when we worship, whether it be in a corporate setting like we did this morning, or whether it be in your car or in your living room in the mornings when you get up and you spend time with the Lord, or whether it's when tension crushes, trying to crush you, and you allow the weight of glory to come and crush the tension. Whenever we worship, we understand that we are communing with a God who desires great intimacy. We love that. When we talk about the veil right here, Moses put a veil. What is a veil? A veil is a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of come on in, right? When Jesus died, the veil was torn. So there's this whole picture of intimacy that we talk about with the veil, right? I did a wedding yesterday. The bride didn't have a veil, but sometimes there's a veil. And, the, you know, there's a symbol, symbolic thing of, hey, I'm pulling off the veil, which means we can be in relationship now. So, When we worship, we understand that communion with God desires great intimacy, and he is full of tender mercy. However, he is also a God full of great power. And as the church, so many times we focus upon the intimacy of Jesus, and we should, absolutely. But listen, there is a power on this God that we serve. He is the Lord strong and mighty. He's not weak. We, 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 we equate tenderness with weakness. Oh God, just come and, and show me your peace. And he comes in and he's like, I'm strong. What do I need to destroy here? Are you with me? And that's heavy because you've got things in your heart and I've got things in my heart that need to be crushed under the heavy weight of God. I need to not just come in and be like, oh, it's okay. It's all good. I love you. I love you. Sometimes I need him to come in with that violent strength and go, no, you are not allowed here. Because he is the Lord strong and mighty. 
And so whenever we lift up our heads to him, the veil of intimacy is lifted. Also, the gate of dominion and authority is lifted. So when he comes in, he doesn't just come in to have good, just nice little comfortable fellowship with you. Right? That's why what was spoken of is, is the, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take about force. Why? Because it, there's a ruckus that happens when my king shows up. You, you understand that the enemies of God that, that come and plague your soul, despair, discouragement, come on, feelings of hopelessness, feelings of loneliness, feelings of isolation, feelings of tension, frustration, sickness. When my king shows up, those things are his enemies. And so whenever I lift up the veil and get intimate with him, he brings the authority to crush anything that is against his kingdom. And those things are not of the kingdom. None of these things entered the picture until the fall of man. That's how you know that it's not the kingdom. Sickness, disease, poverty, all those things. That is all, all connected. It's not because you're sinning, but it's because you live in a fallen world. And you are prone to all those things. But when the king of glory comes in, he brings his authority with him to crush lack. To crush despair. To crush loneliness. To crush heartbreak. He hates that. It's against his kingdom. He's a healer. I don't don't understand how people somehow got into dealing with God and thinking that he likes, you know, it's on his heavenly checklist to make people sick. If there's sickness, the only reason it has is to give God glory by him healing it. Come on, on earth as it is in heaven. What does it look like in heaven? No sick people in heaven. So we have the gate. We are the gate. Okay, let's get back on this. When his identity is established, so is his his authority. So knowing that when Jesus shows up, that he carries that authority with him, right? And so we talk about living lives that are surrendered, and the reason is is so he can deal with these things. So how do we lift the gates? How do we lift the gates? Well, the, the psalmist tells us right there, how do we lift our gates? By fixing our gaze. Lift up your heads, O you gates. In other words, don't walk around with shame. Don't walk around going, oh, man, it's just so hard. I don't know how I'm ever going to get through it. Well, you know, I used to really serve God. I used to really love God. I used to be real, be real faithful. I, man, it's just, you know, the, all the, the life just got hard. And, you know, and then this event happened. And this is, stop. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Why are you so downcast, all you so, oh, you so? Put your hope in God. Put your gaze upon him. Look up. Look to the hills where your help comes from. Look up. Set your gaze. What is he going to do? He's going to come in. Because when you lift up your head, the gate of his authority is lifted. Psalm 24, 7, lift up your heads. All you gates be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. The gate is lifted when our gaze is set. Colossians 3, verse 1, since you have been right. Y'all are quiet today. Y'all okay? Okay, just making sure. Am I going too fast? Okay, sorry. It's just going to happen. <laughs> Loud and fast. All right. Colossians 3, 1. Since you have been raised with Christ, oh, come on, the righteous, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You know what that is? The right hand of God, you know what that is? It's not like Jesus isn't literally like God's right-hand man that speaks of the position of authority. All things have been given to Jesus' authority. 
All the things that we talked about, those, the tension, the frustration, the, the hopelessness, all those things were crushed at the cross. Jesus has authority over those things. So set our hearts on things above. And set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Sometimes the heart comes first and then the mind comes. Sometimes the mind comes and then the heart comes. They have this weird relationship, right? Why am I thinking like that? You need to, that's why to come into the kingdom, it takes repentance, which means to change your thinking. Stop thinking like that. Because how many know that when your thinking changes, your walk changes? So set your gaze on him. Set your gaze. And when, when we fix our gaze on him, the gate is lifted. The authority comes in. The presence of Jesus invades. Do not get, listen, gang, do not get overwhelmed by what's going on in your life. Don't get caught up in the frustration, the tension, the busyness. Don't get so caught up. Lift up your heads. Lift up your heads. You're asking God to intervene. He's asking you to. Lift up your head. God, I don't know. Perfect. You're in the right spot now. Listen, every difficulty in your life is an opportunity for a miracle. That's exactly what it is. So stop all the whining and murmuring and complaining about how rough it is and how difficult it is and how you wish this was different and just realize that this is an opportunity for God. This is an opportunity for God. So, Lord, I look to you. I don't look on my frustration. I don't look at my tension. I don't look at my situation. I don't even look at my life or what I'm, that is not my focus. My focus is you. Lift up your heads. Oh, you guys, the king of glory. That he would invade and bring his kingdom with him. Number two, with faith-filled praise. So we lift up our gaze by fixing our gaze. Number two, with faith-filled praise. Everybody say praise. Look at your neighbor and say, get your praise on. <laughs> Listen, the spirit of praise precedes the tangibility of victory. Praise always precedes victory. We think this is the way that you think, right? In your natural thinking, you think something good happens, we celebrate. The kingdom, it doesn't work like that. We celebrate, something good happens. We say, God, you're good, then we see the goodness. We don't see the goodness and say, God, you're good. Yeah, we do that, but praise always precedes victory. We see this with King Jehoshaphat. He was going to fight this battle and his enemies and all this kind of stuff. He's like, hey, hey, let's get everybody together. Let's strategize. Let's strategize. Let's get a strategy together. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to send the band out. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, King Josphat. Like, these guys have, like, knives and daggers. They have, like, all the tanks and stuff. What are we going to do? And he's like, just send out, send out the band. Get, get them out in front of the army. <laughs> well, you want the army to die today, right? You want the band to die? You want to kill off all the musicians so all that's left is good real warriors? He's like, no, they're the, they're the best warriors we got. Because when they lift up their heads, the king of glory comes in. When they, when they lift up their gaze, when they start singing, when they start talking about how good I am, I show them how good I am. It's the way it works in this kingdom. I know it seems backwards. I know it seems upside down, but that's just the way God does it. That's how backwards and jacked up we are. Praise first, then victory. Listen, I know it's hard, but we call it faith for a reason. We call it faith for a reason. I'm telling you, it is hard when, you, when, it, when you're going through it and you, got, you, you look up and you lift your head and say, God, you're good. And sometimes you're just doing that out of desperation. Whatever it takes for you to say it. Whatever it takes for you to get your praise on. God, I thank you that you're good. 
God, I thank you that your mercy lasts forever. I thank you, Lord, that I am the head and not the tail, that I'm the righteousness of Christ. This is who I am. And then courage begins to build in your soul. Some, you know, I know that like the name it, claim it thing gets a bad rap, but praise comes first. I don't feel like worshiping today. You've got it backwards. You bring it, and he shows up. That's why it's called the sacrifice of praise. We bring sacrifice of praise into the house. Anybody ever heard that song? Like three of us, three of us that are over uh, 30. You just know all the songs, yes. You're a good worship pastor. Okay. Listen, uh, Joshua and the, the children of Israel, when we talked about this in our threshold series we did earlier this year, they marched around the city, and then God said, shout. What do they have to shout for? Nothing happened. They've just been walking around. Shout, for I've given you the city. They shouted, and then the walls came down. It seems like they got it backwards, right? No, they got it right. They understood that praise precedes victory. Victory belongs to those that know that they are the Lord's and who walk with a spirit of celebration. You know, you know how it is, complainers or drainers. Have you ever noticed the most negative people are the people that are always defeated? I'm they're just walking around and they're like miserable. And you don't want to be around them, right? Some of you are like, I don't know anybody like that. That's right, because you got away from them. Because you ain't got you ain't got room in your life for that kind of negativity. Come on. But we better make listen, those those of us that have got this concept, we need to get around those people. Uh, I know it's draining. But we got to bring it. Some of you just got that joy. You need to let it ooze off you. Well, they're going to take my joy. They can't take your joy. You got that everlasting joy. If they can take your joy, then you, then the source is you, not Jesus. So, but listen, we listen. What happens when we complain and moan? It empowers the enemy. It empowers the enemy. He's like, yes, right. Just talk about how bad it is. So funny, man, how people are, like, so caught up, like, in the government and, you know, how bad it is. And, like, the world has been way worse than it is right now. That What the Christians were facing in the book of Acts was way worse than what we're experiencing, than what we're experiencing anywhere in the earth right now. The stuff with ISIS and all that, the scripture was worse. It was a worse day than it is right now. And it's going to get worse, trust me. It'll be the church's brightest hour, not our darkest People all complaining, oh, the government, Ooh, let me complain on Facebook. That's going to do some good. Thank you, Lord, Lord. You see my complaints? Gosh, you wear me out. Hide, click, hide. Don't ever show me that again, right? You guys know what's up. You've done it. It's all good. We'll hang out, but I'm not going to follow you on Facebook anymore. We're done. <laughs> Our relationship ends here. Unfollow, <laughs> right? <laughs> and we act like that that's going to do something. Study Nero and, and how bad it was during those days and how bad of a ruler he was. And then Paul's is like, honor those that are in charge. <laughs> well, all right. Anyway, that's another message. Complaining, moaning, and moaning, and gropping, and sorrow, all those things, all they do is empower the enemy. And this is most of our complaining is this. We want the attention of people. Isn't it true? We complain. Why? Because we want somebody 
some person to do something to make it better or to agree with us. I sold my Sit around and complain about it. You don't feel better. No, you won't. You've been doing it for years and it ain't working. You're going to have to praise out of that situation, which you need to do. Come on. How many of you know that the, 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 the attention of people are not going to help your situation, but the attention of Jesus will? So we put our attention on Him, not our frustration. So stop glorifying the situation. Be forward with your praise and watch the glory of Jesus crush the spirit of despair. Let me say that again. Stop glorifying the situation, talking about how bad it is. Come on, putting weight on it. That's what it means. Be forward with your praise and watch the glory of Jesus crush the situation when you fix your gaze. Who is this king of glory? Psalm 24, baby, you're going to come up. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Who is he? This is who he is. He's bringing his kingdom with him. He's bringing his peace with him. He's bringing his strength with him. He's bringing encouragement with him. Some of you are are so discouraged in your life. That's not God's heart for you. Because what happens is, is a couple hours turns into a couple of days. And a couple of days turn into a couple of weeks. The next thing we know, we're depressed. Right? How many of y'all been there? Come on, it's okay. Some of y'all are doing that right now, and it ends today. October 10th, 2015, it ends today. I'm calling it. Done. 11th. It happened yesterday. I'll just just call it this way. I'll just call it 2,000 years ago we ended there. On a cross, on a hill called Calvary, with a man who was way more righteous than you can ever imagine. God for measly, pesly, peasant, thieving, heathen sinners. You're not, let's, let me say this, you are not unworthy. You are worth it. I know I've been all over the place. Listen, Isaiah 61. I love this so much. This is, this just talks about everything that Jesus brought. It says this, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Some of y'all need that. Some of you need gladness in your life. Listen, I'm not talking about the situation getting better. And this is the illusion, right? If the situation changes, then I'll be better. I'm not going to tell you the situation is going to change. It might be the same tomorrow. It might be the same a year from now. I don't want it to be, and you don't want it to be. But the thing is, is what is coming out of that situation? Are you getting bitter? Are you getting better? Are you, are you rejoicing? Are you going towards God? Because I believe that we can actually accelerate the wilderness. I believe that. I believe that people are stuck in the wilderness because of their attitude. <laughs> a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That word this morning, I feel like that despair, it hits some of y'all today because that's the way you feel. You feel despair. That's a hard place. You feel hopeless. You feel like, is it ever going to end? 
And I'm telling you, it is. But you're not going to carry the spirit of despair. You're not going to carry that, that spirit where you're walking around going, man, I just don't know what I'm going to do in my life. You're not going to walk with that anymore. You're going to have the spirit of praise. Because the spirit of praise is what defeats the spirit of despair. It's the exchange. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want to feel despair? Or do you want to feel praise? I want to feel praise. Well, then praise. Then praise. Then set your gaze. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Planted, a planting in the house of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Listen, Jesus wants to glorify himself in every situation and every circumstance. He wants to show up and put his weight on it.